This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What'd you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are That is a great song. That is a great song and... Uh... Yeah, every time I hear that song, I, I think any moment Joe Piscopo is going to come out and just jump in and start singing the chorus. Is Joe Piscopo working today, or did he take the day off? Mm, I don't I don't know. I wonder. What station is that? I don't know the station. You know, John, I spent four years of my life at that station, four years that I'll never get back. That I'll never get back. <laughs> As I said yesterday, you regret it more than uh, any of your ex wives Yes. You do. Yes. It's true. The worst, uh, the, worst I mistake it's, I ever made. The only time I see pain it's in like your It's like talking to myself. I, I could have spent four years in the park talking to myself. Two Dixie Cups as I was feeding the pigeons. Well, the few hours that you're not on air at WABC, you do that. So it works out <laughs> well. well look, you know? we, we talked about it yesterday. WABC is the strongest signal on the East Coast. Uh, uh, during the evening, uh, terrestrial signal, which is the AM 770, goes from where? It goes uh, from, um, actually, from Kathmandu up in the Himalaya Mountains. That's Nepal. Right on down to the place that my wife loves uh, the most of all the places, believe it or not, Death Valley in California. <laughs> on your way to Los Angeles to uh, Las Vegas. Well, and on, uh, on your iPhone... It goes to 173 countries and 50 states. Yeah. And you get a clear signal, except Antarctica. We That's have right. not signed up Antarctica. And the up. other one we haven't signed up, we haven't signed up Havana. Yeah, that's and right. We were going to get Father Alex to make a deal. I, he said it yesterday. I heard it. If you, if you guys can get that done, my goodness, that would be, you know, world-changing news right there. Uh, absolutely. Get a socialist, you know, now we, communist country. I want to, I want to take yeah. advantage of the situation that we have in this very studio, a live broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, unlike all the competition who are playing best of, which is really worst of. You had the first interview with Dr. Fauci when he told us, don't worry about this thing. Uh, some it's virus just another flu. Right. It was uh, limited to a senior citizen complex, a housing unit, outside of Seattle, Washington. I think there was one or two cases. Because they were flying in from China. Right. And he said, don't worry about it. Live a normal life. I'm on the bus coming back from the TROP in Atlantic City, the World Martial Arts Expo. I'm figuring, hey, Dr. Fauci would know. There's a guy made his bones, came up from Brooklyn Regis High School. He's been there forever since Ronald Reagan. And, oh, what a roller coaster ride after that. Yeah. And I well, think. Well, you know, the truth is, and why uh, a lot of people blame the Chinese, and you can't blame all the Chinese, but there's somebody that's responsible. Yeah, the Communist Party. Okay? Uh, somebody knew because uh, where, where the virus was in Wuhan or Wuhan, whatever it was. Uh, they stopped moving airplanes from there Domestic. to the rest of the China. Yep. But they kept them going to Italy, yep. New York, uh, 
California, and that was the problem. Those three weeks yeah. before Trump shut it down. Yeah. You're a lot of damage has been done to those three weeks. John, to that point, they absolutely cut down those domestic flights. They shut them down. They shut them down. And they actually subsidized so they knew some something. of these flights to Italy, especially, and then to the United States of America. And I got to say, internally, I give a lot of credit to Peter Navarro. He was one of the people in January who was why does everybody hate Peter Navarro? Can you tell me? I'll that? tell you why because he actually ended up fighting against a lot of these people that were saying, "Listen to Fauci; he knows, he knows." And he was saying, "No, no, I've done my own research on this, and what I'm telling you is, it is a disaster that is waiting to come to our shores here." And I think he was the first person in there to really tell President Trump when it was not popular, "You have a impending disaster on your hands," and. Because of the meeting that that uh, Navarro had with Fauci, where uh, had with Trump, where Fauci said, "No, no, don't close travel from China." Navarro said, "You have to, or it's going to be a massive, massive problem." And then on January thirtieth, I remember because my birthday, January thirtieth, twenty twenty, Trump shut the borders from China. If you remember at the time, Joe Biden called it xenophobic. Said, no, no, you can't do this. That's the wrong thing to do. That was a direct result of Navarro giving him that information. Uh, Fauci wanted to keep the borders open. And of course, now we knew that he knew about well, gain of remember, function research, became, and he's lied to Congress about again, it. Again, it became very bipartisan. Uh, de Blasio said the same thing. It's xenophobic. Why, uh, why are we not uh, allowing the uh, Chinese to travel freely? Remember, it's the Lunar New Year when more Chinese travel around the world than anywhere else. Uh, Cuomo weighed in. All the Democrats weighed in and said it was xenophobic right. and that you had to allow for this travel to continue. And uh, as you said, even though Trump closed the borders, it was still too late because travelers had already begun carrying the virus first to Italy and then from Italy into the United States. And then the confusing messages from Fauci. And this is because he was so close to uh, where the decision-making decision was being made in the White House. I got vertigo just listening to Fauci. Mm -hmm. Remember, he said, you no didn't, masks, need, you didn't masks. need masks. Then later on, they tell us, well, we, we said that because we needed the, the mask biggest for problem, our health. Uh, Curtis, the biggest problem is the doctors had no clue how to treat this, uh, this particular virus. But, but I they put, had no clue. And I put that right on Fauci. If Fauci is the one who's actually sending funds to the Wuhan Institute, right, then why ultimately are we not able to get the information directly from them about this lab leak? And by the way, we are now seeing more and more proof that this was, in fact, a lab leak. This didn't happen because a bat was at a wet market or anything like that. Fauci lied to Congress about that. He lied to the American people about that. So the fact that we actually didn't get this information is simply because Fauci did not want to be transparent with Americans, whether it was Congress, whether it was actually in press conferences at the time to the United States of America. And look, I think it's probably and one of President Trump's biggest regrets, which is trusting Fauci as much as he did. We kind of touched on this a little bit yesterday. When again, you asked it's like about being Bill a Monday Barr, morning quarterback, the right. same thing, the mistakes Andrew Cuomo made. I mean, we all make mistakes. You do. And, and we know about a Monday morning, but we don't know necessarily know about it on Sunday. Look, you are, you're ultimately looking at this stuff and trying to make decisions at the time that you don't have all the information on right there. So I, I think it's one of these things that if you ask Trump, honestly, it's probably one of the regrets that he has. Um, and by the time that uh, we started realizing, he started realizing that Fauci was full of it. 
Uh, he had already made him a massive star. He was a star of the left. Brad Pitt was paying, playing him on SNL, and it became this, you know, don't stand with Fauci kind of thing where that became political as well. well where it also, should have just been, get us the information. It wasn't just that. The mask became political. The mask became If very you political. wore a mask, it yeah. meant you were anti-Trump. Yeah. If you didn't wear a mask, it meant you were MAGA yep. or a supporter of Trump. People would start cursing yeah. at you in the street if you didn't have a mask. I didn't have a mask. Sid Rosenberg never wore a mask. There were mask Nazis out there. You're killing people. Put your freaking mask on. I remember walking through Central Park with Nancy. I didn't have a mask on. Nancy didn't have a mask. These no older women screaming and yelling, yeah. you're going to cause people to die. Yeah. And I'm like, where the hell are you getting all this yeah. crap from? Yeah. And it was all, it was all, first it was Fauci. You didn't need a mask. Then you had a mask up. You had to socially distance. And it turned out that almost all that information was incorrect. They were flying by the seat of their pants. They didn't know. Yeah. And they wouldn't let the people, they, act, they had to act like they knew everything. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it turns out they really knew very little of anything. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you, on this subject, you can go and look now. And the United States Army, just I actually did a podcast on this. Not that, Andrew. Andrew Giuliani, you get it on WABCradio.com. But I did a podcast specifically talking about how the U.S. Army is now asking their people that they actually fired because they did not get the COVID vaccine to come back because they are having recruiting shortages. They're having a recruiting shortage because of the vaccine and also because our education system has been telling and kids is- that America – is inherently flawed. Of course, you're going to get less. We people don't know the everything about the vaccine. We yet. don't. We don't. But there's a lot of side effects. Absolutely. And my, some of my personal doctor says don't get the booster. And I got to tell you, I was very, very lucky in the sense that I ended up actually getting COVID in November of 2020. And when I was offered the vaccine, I had high antibodies. And I said, well, let me wait until my antibodies get lower and let me see. I kind of thought of it as the first model of a car, as you would. You know, the first model always has its issues. You want to wait until the second or third model comes out before you actually get it. I kind of thought the same way with a vaccine. And for me, it's why I kept on looking and saying, you know what, I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass. And it turned out to be a big issue in the gubernatorial campaign because I was the only candidate who actually chose not to get it and was not allowed in New York One Studios, was not allowed in CBS Studios for these no, it was, debates. No, it was completely ridiculous. And think of how far we've come in terms of the lunacy of this. Yeah. Uh, here you have Joe Biden uh, not only getting the vaccine, but boosters, you know, and say, you got to get your vaccine. And then the illegal aliens come across, nah, no vaccines, no boosters, don't worry about it. It's crazy. Their kids go to school, don't worry about it. How? And these are the same people who said you can't come to school you can't work a job. You can't even travel unless you're fully vaccinated. Yeah. But if you're an illegal alien, don't worry about well, it. And also, remember, the summer of pro- the summer of riots in 2020, right? That wasn't spreading COVID because it was social justice. But, <laughs> but if you, if Curtis Sliwa walked in Central Park with his wonderful wife, Nancy, without a mask, if I walked... Around in Washington, D.C. On the beach. I was killing right. people right there. That's right. It but if you, were, if you were Black Lives Matter and Antifa, oh, please. Uh, you course. were doing us all a favor. Yeah. COVID doesn't spread. Were you at the White House, Andrew, were you at the White House the day uh, Black yeah. Lives Matter decided to attack and, I, and they had to take uh, uh, the president uh, into the sub-basement over there? I was. I'll tell you exactly tell what happened. Well, wait, wait. You, you yeah, got to yeah. tell us. Uh, hold that thought. Well, hold that thought. We're going to uh, take a break. Uh, and. Uh, 
Stay tuned if you want to know what happens. If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. You talk. We listen. 77 WABC. There's never a dull moment here. New York's talk station. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Well, we're back. We're back. Cats, uh, Curtis, and Andrew. We, we still didn't get a nickname for him. Yeah, I know. What, what are we going to do with this right here? You I don't know. know. We're going to come up with something good. Maybe we'll have a contest uh, uh, among our uh, audience or listeners. Yeah. I-, I could tell you my nickname in high school. Well, first, in grade school, it was, it was the Big G because I was... Bigger than everybody else. But then I kind of became average size. So it became G. And then in high school, it was actually Jules because Giuliani Jules. But there was a reason. I went to high school in New Jersey where most of the kids live five or ten minutes away. I lived 40 minutes away. So I had to, after football practice, shower every day. So, of course, my family Jules would be exposed. Hence, the name Jules and Giuliani. That might be a little too personal, though. Well, that's they, a little they, too personal. Did they, uh, personal, did they right? snap the towels personal? at your family jewels when you came out of the shower? No, I always made sure I protected those family <laughs> jewels, I will tell you that. So, but jewels. now, uh, John had left off that when the Black Lives Matter Antifa stormed the White House when Donald Trump was inside the White House, you happened to be in. And they had to take the president, I understand, down. Yeah. To that sub, 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 sub basement. I don't know how far. Have yeah. you ever been down to that sub, 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 sub basement? I have. I have. It's actually not even by the. A lot of people think that it's actually 
by the Situation Room. It's actually in the east wing, under the east wing of the White House, which is kind of, if you would think, if you were looking at the White House and there's a main area, the west wing is obviously, if you're looking at the front door of the White House, to the right and to the left is the east wing. That's where the first lady works out of, where the social social secretary works out of, people that are planning the events. That's where that PIOC, I think it's called, if I'm not mistaken, is actually exists under there, deep down, can withstand nuclear blasts and everything. But specifically that day, what they told all staff, except basically for the chief of staff and his national security staff, was, we want you to leave, we need you to leave the White House by 2 o'clock. So I remember talking to the chief of staff's office and saying, can I stay, is there anything I can do for Secret Service? Because they called on all of Secret Service to come in. Remember, about a third of Secret Service works at a given time because they, they're on eight hours, off off 16 hours, basically, more or less. They called all of Secret Service to defend the White House because they were expecting and ended up having 30,000 rioters that were trying to come and infiltrate the White House. No, but that wasn't no January 6th moment. Well, that's, that's a very, very key point that you make right there, John, because yeah. you think about the way that Secret Service did their job on that day. I think it was June 1st. It was 2020. Might have been the last day of May, first day of June. I'm but just wondering if, they broke, down, if they broke down those gates. Burned to a crisp of the White if House. You would have burned, if they would have broke down those gates, were the Secret Service guys prepared to use the machine guns? Well, I think they would have been prepared. And I can tell you, actually, and the media never talks about this. 32 Secret Service officers were injured that day. Three had to go to the hospital, thankfully, not fatally. But the media never, ever talks about that day when they talk about the summer of love and peace and how it was mostly peaceful. It was extremely violent that day, and the Secret Service took the brunt of it. Staff was dismissed. We got out by 2 o'clock. I remember we actually ended up throwing the hat around, and everybody threw in $100 so then that way people could just actually get food because we didn't know how long this was going to last. So they ended up bringing some non-perishable items in case this happened Days and days and days, basically. I should have called you, John. We could have you had a donation from Christine. It, it could last days and days. We thought there was a possibility, and Secret Service was preparing for for that particular scenario. But they dismissed See, all this staff. Is stories. For These the are stories. These are stories you're getting on WABC that nobody else has told. That's you're true. not getting anywhere else. And, and and the truth is, when you look at that day and you compare that to how the Capitol Police, in many cases, we see kind of did an Olay with the protesters. Was if, the president there that day? The president was there that day, yes. So at what point did they take him down to the sub-sub-sub-sub-sub-basement? I, I don't know exactly because I wasn't there yeah. at that time. I had been dismissed by that point. But I think it was, if I, if my memory serves me right, between 9.30 and 10 o'clock. But we in the general night, public, we didn't see that, obviously. That's mm-hmm. great insight. What we saw was across the street in Lafayette Park, that eventually the only way to get control of that mob of Black Lives Matter and Antifa was to bring in the federal correctional uh, SWAT team. These are the men and women that work in the federal correctional facilities who came in with the hats and bats and came in with the body armor and then started spraying, uh, you know, the chemicals into the crowd to disperse them. And then if anybody came any closer, they'd whack them with those bats, which is the best way of dispersing a crowd, old school. And they were condemned for that. Yeah, they, they were, were condemned for that. Condemned. They were condemned for it. They were condemned for actually basically. And you got to remember, too, it wasn't just the White House they were trying to attack. The church, which is now, I'm forgetting, the Episcopal Church, it's yeah. right across from the White House. They burned part of that down. 
And the pastor in there actually, instead of condemning them burning it down, when they dispersed the crowd, he was tiss-tiss on the police at the time. Remember, it's right after, obviously, the George Floyd incident. It was in light of all of that. And the public sentiment against it was absolutely wild to me. And it was a great example of how when they talk about having a cooling down period for mobs, for riots, it's not a cooling down period. It's a heating up period. They were trying to pull down the statue of President Jackson, right? Uh, across the street yeah, uh, in, in Lafayette the park. Pl- Plaza. Right. Lafayette I remember Plaza. they had the ropes around him. They were attempting to uh, topple the statue as statues were toppled all across America. Yeah. And then again, and this is a department that never gets attention and recognition, but will put down riots in the federal correctional facility. It was those men and women who came in with the hats and bats and the body armor and dispersed that crowd. Or they would have toppled that statue, too. Yeah, and by the way, in dispersing that crowd, nobody was severely injured because no. you would have heard about it. You no. would have heard If somebody was killed, if somebody even went to the hospital, you would have heard about it. That person would have been front-page news. There would have been lawsuits. They would have been by, victimized by the way, as vi- wh- victims as well. What happened to all those politicians who spent their whole days painting Black Lives Matter into the streets? Do Black Lives Matter not matter any longer that it's not even worthy of painting it in the streets? D.C., remember, had the uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, right, leading up to that was Black Lives Matter. All these shits, all politicians, de Blasio every day, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Now, all of a sudden, I guess Black Lives don't matter because they become big, large mansions, that organization, and competing with you, John, and everyone else in the real estate industry in selling (laughs) their massive uh, slew of mansions that they were able to buy with extorted money from people who were suckers to give it to Black Lives Matter. Well, it's it's why I love our, our mutual friend, the relentless patriot, Scott Labato, for throwing the blue on the Black Lives Matter right there, saying, wait a second, blue lives matter. Let's not forget about our police officers that are standing up. And, John, I love everything that the station does here, standing up for our police officers. Obviously, that amazing day back in October, and that's just that day. But every single day we end up standing up for them because they are the reason why New York City went from being one of the more dangerous oh, cities in the you, world. Can I tell you to, to John's credit, other stations were afraid to say anything. Mm-hmm. Other stations were not back to blue because remember, Black Lives Matter Antifa was strong. I got my jaw broken, and me and the Guardian Angels were battling them in the streets. But other stations and other businesses they placated Black Lives Matter. They put up their signs. They say, "Oh no, no." Black Lives Matter, really, police are brutal. This was the only station that supported well, the police 24-7. we have a reputation 24/7. of using Rocky Colorado's b- <laughs> yes. bat. I mean, we don't take that crap. Right, but you, had, you break the law, there are yeah, consequences. Understand. It's that simple. Right? He has Gristides. He has D'Agostinos. He had open targets. He could have easily, like the rest of the business community, placated, put up signs, Black Lives Matter, here, here's extortion money, don't bust our windows. You never did that, John. But a lot of your colleagues did. They folded like cheap cameras. Oh, my God, did they fold like cheap cameras. Well, we're going to take another break. We're going to take another break, and we got some more hot stories. I still got your father's story. We're holding back on that. I can't wait. Uh, Let's take that break, and we'll be right back. Coming up next hour, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Season of Hope First Responder Fridays. Please never forget the commitment we made on 9-11. It's the Season of Hope. Donate to the Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Well, I guess that's the song that's going to uh, welcome my wife, Nancy, who will be joining me again at 12 o'clock for the family hour here at WABC. We know a lot of people uh, are away. Others are stuck at home or they're shut-ins and their friend. Others are climbing the wall, and I'm glad they're listening to us. That's right, and uh, it's live and local. That's the commitment that John and Margot Katsimatidis have made, the president of Red Apple Media, our parent company, Chad Lopez, has made. It will always be live and local. But we were spinning the wheel of subjects to talk about, John, and I mentioned shoplifting because yesterday, after we had our Thanksgiving lunch after Nancy and I finished the program from 12 to 1, we went to Dwayne Reed in our neighborhood, the Upper West Side, and there was a big sign saying, it's Customer Appreciation Day. We're closed today. We want to thank all of you. And Nancy, who goes in and out of there, said, yeah, it's one less day of shoplifting. <laughs> all the shoplifters are going to be upset. I mean, they closed. What are the shoplifters going to do? They were hungry. <laughs> but the lead story in the post, Andrew, let John know, because he's got to live with this with his business, Christides, D'Agostino, other retailers have to live with this as a reality morning, noon, and night shoplifting. Wait till you hear this story. Yeah, this Wait. is this right as you were saying that. I mean, on the New York Post online edition, cop killer who twice looked for love online is busted for what? Shoplifting while on lifetime parole. $286 this guy is going to go back to jail for. Amazing. and uh, Yeah, but how much time? Is this in Manhattan? Did he do it in Manhattan? Because Alvin Bragg will probably say, nah, I tell you what, you know, let's give him salutations and greetings for trying to survive. This is nuts. From a target in Manhattan. That's oh, absolutely oh, he, right. He will so. do no time. He will do no time. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I That's understand. what I said about these pro-terror protesters yesterday. They interrupted the Thanksgiving Day Parade. They're not going to do time in, by the in way, Manhattan. By the way, well, I want to hear A headline in uh, the EmpireReport.com or NewYork.com yeah. is the uh, retailers uh, demand help on organized uh, shoplifting. Uh, yeah, organized yeah. shoplifting. Because well, they go in and they just wipe out the stores. Curtis, as you so said, you see the headline? John, yep. as you know so well, this is just a, a disaster for businesses in our city. I mean, what person in there, what businessman would look and say, now's the time to invest in New York City from a shopping perspective? Because if the laws aren't even enforced and people could just steal stuff right in front of people's faces over here. You're not going to have any businesses that can thrive in here. It's and terrible. remember, well, Rite Aid has closed all their stores. Yeah, and they filed bankruptcy uh, in the New York area, almost all the stores. And uh, CVS is has everything locked up. Yeah, uh, Dwayne Reed has everything locked up. Walgreens, I don't know. It's well, just, let me yeah. tell you a story about Dwayne Reed. So my wife Nancy wants to stop shoplifting. Every time she goes there, she says, "I see more shoplifting." So there's this black guy, and he's coming out with a case of beer. So Nancy does an intervention. You know, she's ready to confront him. And the cashier says, no, 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 don't bother. He's taking out Bud Light. <laughs> Nobody's buying Bud Light anymore. <laughs> Let him have the case. Now, if we were Miller Light or, or any okay, Heineken, okay, you know, people want that. But nobody's buying nobody Bud Light. Nobody's buying the Bud Light. Even in New York City, I figured in New York, maybe you'd have some people Purposely, that would come right? on out and say, I'm going to buy the Bud Light. But no, but it's, of it's, not. it's everywhere. And there's no enforcement. Yeah. Absolutely no enforcement. Now, we mentioned Macy's, right, because they 
sponsor every year. They do a great job in keeping... By the keeping... way, in my mind, I remember when Macy's was being wiped out uh, during the, the, that period of time, in 2020, yep. 2021. They were just walking in. Yeah. And uh, I understand de Blasio told the cops, stand, stand down. down, don't do anything. Yeah. In fact, uh, Melissa DeRosa, in her book, uh, she's the chief of staff for former Governor Andrew Cuomo, acknowledged that, correct, Bill de Blasio told the cops to stand back. Remember, that's when I was out in the streets with the Guardian Angels. I got my jaw broken, and they were like locusts through the cornfield. Macy's knew they were coming. That morning, our our facilities at WABC used to be there, Madison Square Garden. They were already putting up the plywood. Businesses already knew they were coming. And instead of Bill de Blasio saying, no, we're going to enforce, uh, we're going to prevent, uh, they came out. Once it got dark, they came out of the subways. It was organized. People were coming in from Newark. They were coming in front because they knew that you could loot, you could shoot, you could create mayhem, and the cops were not going to do anything. And they just tore up Macy's. Anyway, the old Macy's, if you went upstairs, most people have never had an opportunity like I've had to go upstairs to the old Macy's when they had their own jail. They had more shoplifters in Macy's, professional shoplifters, and pickpockets and jostlers. They had their pictures all over the wall. They had a jail cell there. And Midtown South, which is two blocks away, the biggest precinct in the city, would send the cops over. And then they'd have the daisy chain perp walk, and they'd bring them there and book them. At night, when the store would close, they had Doberman pinches that they would release onto every floor. Because sometimes guys would figure, if I hide away in a nook, cranny, and corner, I'll be able to roam the store when all of a sudden they call them, used to call them the store detectives, were no longer around. (laughs) The store detectives would come in the morning, and they would hear the Dobies. And you don't even really see Doberman Pinchers anymore, but they're fierce. Woo, 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 woo. And the guy was, like, up in the rafters, right? Please save me. Save me. And then they would call Midtown South, who would come in and make the collar and process them and send them downtown to uh, the tombs. Right. Man, I'll tell you, if... The biggest jail yeah. was not in Midtown South. Yeah. Was that Macy's? It was Macy's. Because even then, this is before de Blasio. This is before the summer of uh, of the lockdown in March uh, of 2020. They had the biggest jail because they always had pickpockets, jostlers, and shoplifters. You know, people would go into the changing rooms, and because you couldn't put cameras there, they would put on like three, four sets of clothes, and then they would walk out with the tags on. Yeah. These guys didn't care, but the, the, they call them again back then, store detectives. And they would pinch them and throw them upstairs in jail. Well, and now you think in 2020, this changed everything where all of a sudden illegal actions did not have consequences. And sadly to see what it continues to do. I mean, it's a great example right there. Made me think of the old Philadelphia Veterans Coliseum where they also had the jail and the judge. But during Philadelphia, John's biggest problem in being a retailer was Haagen-Dazs. Oh, they want to come for the Haagen-Dazs. You know. If you could set, like, traps, you know, like you set for rats or mice, traps, you would probably put them by the refrigerated well, section. what we for do now is we code it. Uh, we code the haagen I know it's from our store because they're liquid assets. So professional yeah. shoplifters have to sell it to a bodega within three, four blocks. Oh, of course, right? The haagen you can't be shipping out for hours and hours. And then we go after the bodega's uh, liquor license. We go after everything on them. Right. Yeah, no, no. John has We his, take no prisoners. John has his own has store detectives. He's got his own uh, former NYPD guys. They're always 
consulting with me about some of the latest uh, shoplifting techniques. John, from twenty from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, what was the difference in terms of the percentage that you thought was actually shoplifted? I know that generally in the supermarket business before twenty twenty, it was like one to two percent. Right? Is that yeah. is that right? I would say what, minimum double. Double. So three to four percent by yeah. the time you got to twenty. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a, a lot of money. I mean, in hey, terms of- you can't stay in business long term. Yeah. And uh, the the drugstores are the first to learn it about it because they're the ones that have the expensive uh, hairsprays and the expensive uh, all the ex- expensive drugs. Yeah. So it's ten dollars. Anything anything you pick up is ten dollars. Yeah. So uh, all the drugstores are closing. And uh, New York is going to suffer. I remember when Curtis's good friend Al Sharpton was going on MSNBC complaining about how his toothpaste was being locked up. And when Al Al Sharpton becomes the voice of reason, we know we've had some real issues. Let's take a break, and we got some more hot stories for you right after the the break about Andrew's daddy. You got to tell. Well, we're going to wait till the nine o'clock hours. So hold on. Should I have to call in to make sure he can defend himself? Uh, You want to know something? If he's available, he's welcome to call. Coming up next, it's First Responder Fridays on 9-11. We vowed to never forget. Help America keep that promise. Donate $11 a month on this First Responder Friday during the season of hope to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Giuliani, what is significant about Diana Ross and Curtis Sliwa? Um, I don't know. You both have uh, tried to get into the Maidstone Club and they won't let you in at certain times. Is that it? No. No? Okay. We both share the same birthday, March 26th, along with Aerosmith's hot mess, Steven Tyler. Oh, my goodness. Who grew up in Yonkers and got kicked out of Roosevelt High School for smoking pot in his senior year. Now he would become a horticulturist as a result. Probably get a degree. Well, hold on, Curtis. I'm putting my calendar right now that it's Steven Tyler and Diana Ross's birthday. I'm getting them a gift. You? I don't know about it. Anyway, uh, John, you've been teasing us all morning long. You're going to tell us something about Andrew's daddy, Rudy. We went into a, back in, I, I forget the year. Does it say the year? 96. 1996. 1996. We went, your, your dad was mayor. Uh, we went into thermonuclear war. And it wasn't necessarily between me and your dad. Right. I mean, it was, I was, uh, I had a charity I was chairman of. George Duris uh, was chairman, of, started a charity called Hellenic American Neighborhood Action Committee. Right. And uh, uh, it, it took care of a lot of people in New York. I mean, they must have had like 30 different divisions. Yeah, it says $43 million in city contracts. Yes. Uh, it was even more than that. Right. Uh, because, you know, i got to remember back to those days. That's 30 years ago. Yeah. And, and, and the fact was we had, you know, in every organization you have a crooked person. Mm-hmm. 
and then any organization, even even your dad's administration had a crooked person. We had a couple people he had to get rid of. Yeah, and uh, they went into collusion. You know, uh, Hannick was vetted. In other words, he had a legitimate charity. I think a ninety million dollar program. Right. And Hannick was vetted for it, and it was legitimate. Everything hands above the table. And one of our crooked people uh, got together with one of the uh, administration's crooked people, and they were going to steal away a $90 million program. Do you remember that, Curtis? I remember it well. $90 million program, and they were going to move it. They were going to move it to their own checking account. Wow. That's a lot of money. Absolutely. And uh, at least the guy that worked for Hannick ended up going to jail. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I, um, I, I tried to call your your father, uh, and I said, you know, and the first time I called, oh yes, Mr. Katzmatidis, we'll put you right through. And the second the secretary, oh yes, Mr. Katzmatidis, we'll put you right through. And the guys around him wouldn't allow me to go through to him. Right. Because all I want is hands above the table. I want to let him know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So when everybody he, he blocked me, right? what happens? Mm-hmm. Don't forget. You know, uh, uh, the president of the United States was a friend of mine at the time. Right. Uh, the U.S. attorney uh, was appointed by the president of the United States. I went to the U.S. attorney's office. Was that Reno at the time? Was it Janet Reno? No, it was not. It was the U.S. attorney's office. Oh, my God. Who was it? Who was before Reno and Clinton? I'm going to look that up right now as we're talking, yeah. as a matter of and, um, and $90 million city program to steal was a big a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, we got down to the bottom of it. And guess what? We'll leave it alone right now, and we'll continue it later on. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm going to be digging more into this myself. Ninety I'm million dollar program, and, and was, I, I I'm not sure if anybody from the administration uh, went to jail. And and it was connected somehow to welfare recipients as well. So you know, yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm I'm fascinated to hear more about this. You went to war against the mayor of the city of New York. Most people for went a charity. To, not, I, I didn't I benefit anything. For you it. do. You do realize. <laughs> I, I didn't benefit anything for it. <laughs> and, you know. Uh, I remember when all the lawyers came up, uh, and um, uh, uh, we had to make payroll for Hannick, and they were choking us. They were canceling programs. They were canceling this program. They were canceling that program. And I had to make payroll, and I had to move some money over. And the, the Department of Investigations came to my uh, Red Apple office and said, I said, listen, I have to pay these people. I'm going to move the money. And they looked at me like, you really going to move the money? <laughs> but you but realize what it was. To I, was take doing on the right your... thing. I was doing the right thing for All the right. people uh, uh, of the, uh, the charity. I was doing the right thing for the, for the uh, people of the city of New York. Yeah. Now, the people that were orchestrating, moving that $90 million program, I, like I said, the, the one that worked for the charity went to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. We'll tune in and yeah. get the rest of the story. You see, every, every uh, elected official needs somebody who's going to tell them no. I know Somebody we... has to tell the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't allow me to go straight to Rudy, even though we knew, we knew each other. Yeah. 
Well, as you as you know, and you've seen this certainly in the Trump world and in almost any power circle, right? There's obviously this, hey, we want to silo off our access to the executive. And I'm sure this happens. They're going to silo off with the you, person that, that, that. that wants to tell them the truth. And, and it hurts the actual executive in many ways. Saw this yep. with Trump many, many times where the Well, that gave me no choice but key. to go to the U.S. attorney's office. Exactly. But yeah, I think uh, in all these elected positions, you have to have a person designated a member of your staff that's trusted by the person elected to tell them, no, you can't do this. Let me explain to you why this will be bad. And uh, I don't believe in many instances uh, that that exists mm-hmm. to any extent. I know uh, in your dad's uh, uh, operation uh, when he was mayor, Generally, you go to Peter Powers, Peter Powers absolutely. who had... Peter Powers is a very decent person. Right. And he, he had, one of the most decent people your, your father and, had worked with. And he had, the, he had the confidence of your father. So when he would say no to Rudy, Rudy would listen. Others would say no to Rudy. Rudy would get upset. Yeah, Peter Powers, and, and you mentioned this before, my father is so close that even still, his daughters I'm very close with. One of his daughters was my press secretary yep. on the campaign. I just had her on one of the podcasts a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. She's a Fox News News 12 veteran um, and just a great, great family that Peter uh, and Kathy, his wife, uh, have raised. Well, I think that's uh, part of the problems. You always have to have somebody there that's going to give you the bad news, and you have to be willing to sit there and absorb it and think about it because they're doing it in your best interest. Yeah. And in this case, the city's best interest or the state's best interest or the country's best interest. If you let your ego get involved, generally, you'll wonder and say, I should have listened to that guy. <laughs> he should have picked up that, that phone call from you, John. It would have um, eliminated. Saves everybody a, lo- a lot of uh, trouble. Well, a lot of agita. He certainly picks up his calls from you now, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> As we continue right here, it's John Katzmatidis, Andrew Giuliani, yours truly, Curtis Lee with a trifecta, the Troika, the Trinity, live and local programming here at WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.